Here we go again, the Week in Review, the Source podcast. My name is Michael Crutcher. Jordan McDonald, welcome to what's been a sort of dry week, but maybe a really wet weekend. Has been a dry week, um, but yeah, it looks like there's going to be rain over the weekend. I know, I'm not really happy about that either. It's no. the Norse Devils' first game of the season tomorrow at Bishop Park, yes. one of the great sports coliseums. <laughs> And we could have 70 millimetres of rain tomorrow. Yeah, big puddle. 70 millimetres. Oh, well, what can you do about that? Play on, I guess. Just got to cop that one. Just got to get on with it. So here we go. We're in March again. Plenty happening. But one thing that's really interesting, Jordan, which will start this edition of The Week in Review is of the... Facebook, or let's call it Meta, the content report. Mm-hmm. So this is a really interesting bit of information and it's really worth going through. Yeah, so it's called Meta's Widely Viewed Content Report and they've just published it and it looks at the last quarter of 2022. Um, if you've never heard of the report, it's it's something that Meta started doing in 2021 and with the aim of providing more transparency and context about what people are seeing on Facebook, in particular their feeds. So the report shares some information about the most popular domains, the links, the pages and the posts on the platform. And I think it's insights sorry, into how uh, Meta's distribution system works is quite interesting. Yes, yeah, so this then must give us some indication of the algorithm which is really the secret source, isn't it? It's uh, the reason we see what we see in Uh, our feeds. Certainly. Run us through the report from the last quarter because there must be some good stuff in there. Yeah, so the typical news feed, according to the data, is made up of, what is it, five or six key groups there. So 32% of the content we see are from our friends, so stuff that they've posted directly themselves. So almost a third of that is our friends' yep. posts. Yep. yep, and they've been moving down. You've got 18.7%. That is content that our friends have shared. That could be from another page um, or another source altogether. Uh, 16.8% is unconnected. So that's content that you aren't associated with but Facebook thinks you'll enjoy. And that's a bit about – that's a bit of the algorithm that they made a change to try and mirror the TikTok suggestion okay. of forcing content your way yep. that they think you might like. 15.6% is groups-related content, so any groups you're a part of. Yep. 8.2% is from pages you follow and the remaining – was it 8.7% was categorised as other, and that could be, you know, things like events. So if you've got a concert yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah. One, one of the interesting finds from this newsfeed data is that most of the content that is filling the newsfeeds does not contain any links to an outside source. Okay. So it's actually quite a massive difference. So 92.5% of posts on Facebook that make up the news feed of what's pushed in don't have a link in them, which leaves just 7.5% that do have links. Yep. Um, look, Facebook has certainly placed limits on links to sources outside Facebook in the past. I'm aware of that. I copped it. I've got a, a music page. I couldn't link to any music stuff that wasn't getting seen by anyone. Yeah, right. Um, but there's such a large difference here. I'd say the, the reach for a, a, a post with links versus without is significantly different. Um, 
we know Facebook's having trouble competing for attention, you know, against the likes of TikTok. So yeah. I, I guess why would it encourage you to sort of head away from the platform? And sometimes when you do click on those links, you do get the page that says, do you really want to go there? Yeah, no, it's another barrier to make you think about leaving Facebook. Um, and I must admit, I sometimes I click those links and it transports me to, I've clicked a dodgy link on Google or something and it's like, yeah. oh, there's malware on this website. Yeah. So it's, just, it's another deterrent or another, you know, hurdle. So what about the top 20 domains? Because these are the websites or the links that people have visited or clicked on. So those who decide to go through there, yep. let us know what those top ones are from this report. Yep. Uh, top of the list is YouTube and that's not surprising. You know, no, it's not at all. Not at all. It's video content. So plenty of videos from YouTube across Facebook. What I think uh, Meta will be annoyed about is TikTok is number two. <laughs> so they're trying their best to compete with TikTok, but it's managed to infiltrate they're the news They're feed. sending people there. Yep. Uh, third on the list was media1.tenor, and that's just a weird URL link, which is usually associated with GIFs, so, you know, all those yep. animated images. Uh, fourth was GoFundMe. Fifth Go was... GoFundMe was yeah, fourth. Yeah, massive. Oh, wow. Massive on, um, on Facebook. Uh, fifth was CBS News, six was people.com, seven was today.com, number eight was variety.com, and yep. number nine, TMZ, which is the uh, entertainment, gossip, and breaking news uh, uh, domain in the, in the US. And then you got number 10 was Daily Mail in the UK. Now, what about the widely viewed links? So it's like the data that shows us which content people clicked on the most when they saw it on Facebook. So they see they see this and they click. Yep. So what about what that shows us? Yeah, look, it's a pretty long list. I've broken it up into categories. So the most popular category, obviously, uh, is entertainment and entertainment news. Yep. So there's the articles in the, the most viewed links tend to be articles. Um, so that could be about uh, celebrity news like Millie Bobby Brown, Kirstie Alley, Keanu Reeves, Martha Stewart and Cecily Strong. Yep. They were among the, the list. Um, the next most popular was probably human interest stories. Yep. So there's those articles that focus on personal stories or events that evoke those human emotions. Um, one of the popular articles was twins born 30 years after being frozen as embryos. Uh, yeah, there was right. also that classic... Iowa sports reporter who went viral yeah. when he was stitched up to fill in for the weather <laughs> bloke and it was just a really nasty cold snap. <laughs> it's amazing that that went viral because it was pretty straightforward. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was, but he was not happy about it. Um, <laughs> third was business and finance news, so articles related to the finance world. And one that was very popular was Mark Cuban and his experience flying as a billionaire. I might argue that's a bit of entertainment, to be honest. Yep, um, it's true. Theme park news, which was uh, another weird one that popped up in the as a category. So articles discussing the theme parks and their attractions. The really big ones were the changes uh, in terms of Splash Mountain closing and the addition of a Tiana-themed ride. Oh, big news. Huge news. Yep. Uh, and, of course, then there's the leftovers, which is miscellaneous items. So, you know, Michelle McGar's No Years, uh, No Spend Year, or about a dad showing a trick to, his, uh, to get his son to smile naturally in photos, you know. They fall into a few different categories there, but you not come, neatly. You come back to that term. What we often say here is that audiences love people stories. Yep. And when you look at those, what you just ran through there is just a whole bunch of people stories. Pretty essentially. much. Yeah. 
So it always comes to that. Now, what about the widely <coughs> viewed pages? So the widely viewed pages, these are interesting for me at least because it tells me that these pages have nailed the content. They've figured out how everything yep. works on Facebook. Yep. So topping the list is Lad Bible, um, and you've got Unilad at second spot. There's a few on here I've never heard of before. Third is Kitchen with My Three Sons. And then fourth is Tyler. Okay, never heard of either of those. Fifth is Lad Bible Australia, which is great to see that the Australian arm of Lad Bible's doing quite well. Uh, sixth is Meet Dan Makeup. Seventh, oh sorry, seventh or eighth there is Good Thinking. Ninth or yeah, ninth there would be the Soul Journey with Sarah Musa, and then tenth is Recipes from Heaven. So, Kitchen with My Three Sons. Kitchen with My Three Sons. I can envision it. I don't know if I've ever seen it before. We had that at our house, and I can tell you, it's not compelling content, isn't it? No, it's no. definitely not compelling. But content. um, look of the of that top twenty list, most are obviously entertainment pages and the food and inspiration. Yep. One point out was ESPN, the only sports page in the top twenty. What about the widely viewed posts? Uh, this is an easy one because most of the top 20 was just a cross-section cross of lights and jokey posts and simple memes. Um, look, despite all the changes to the social media algorithm, the uh, people always want to laugh yeah, or, true. Uh, or a momentary bit of entertainment away from whatever they're doing. So that's what made up the top 20 list, really. Oh, it's always interesting uh, to look through that type of data because it does give us some insight into that algorithm and that's mm. what everyone would love to know with Facebook. Why do I see what I see in my newsfeed? What are the reasons for yes. it? So, and obviously we know we don't have to be too uh, super intelligent to realise Facebook's goal is to keep people as engaged as possible mm-hmm. on Facebook for as long as possible. So obviously there's a, a lot that, that goes into that, which brings us to an interesting New York Times article this week which is reproduced in today's financial review about Instagram posts appearing on Facebook. Mm-hmm. So um, now this is sort of uh, basically the thrust of this story from the New York Times is that there's some people have, uh, are discovering and claiming that there's been a shift in Facebook um, via or meta with, with Instagram and posts that people are putting on Instagram which are automatically shared to their Facebook accounts um, and people saying that there's been a new prompt set up and mm-hmm. that new prompt is often where your thumb is on the screen so you don't see it and to go through and actually disable it is all just too hard to do. So um, now the article looks at this being you know, a way for Meta um, to try to combat losing traffic to TikTok and Snapchat, etc. Um, and that's quoting some people from Instagram saying... Uh, they were told that Meta wanted more traffic from Insta to go back to Facebook, um, which led to the new prompt that is the subject of the New York Times story. So it's quite interesting, that whole thing. But Jordan, you know this area so much better than I do. How do you react to this story when you see it there? Um, I don't think it's that big a deal. I mean, I know Facebook's pretty desperate to bring those young users back to the platform. It's something they've struggled with for the last few years. But I do th- see this this feature that's on Instagram as a lot less malicious than it's sort of being made out to be. I don't think it's as deceptive. And it's it's been around forever. Uh, and they make it very easy to switch off. I don't know who's having the complication switching it off. It's very easy. It's on the, the post page. We had a look at it before. Um I personally think you just have to expect that Meta wants the two platforms 
that it owns to feed engagement to one another. Yep. Um, there's benefit for that feature too, that sharing feature. So if you, if you own a business page, for example, and you operate Instagram that way, it just ensures that anything that goes yep. to your Instagram is also ref, uh, yep. freshening up your, your Facebook page as well. But on that thought, I've wonder, I wondered when I saw this story if, if Facebook has seen more of a decline in the time spent on the platform. Yep. So I had a look around this morning and it has. So I looked at the 2019 figures and Facebook accounted for just over 35% of the total time spent on social media. Yep. It's now less than 25%. So I suspect the underlying concern here is that Facebook is, uh, is thinking or knowing it's becoming that afterthought uh, when it's used to being the first thought yeah, true, and some of those numbers too, obviously, um, exaggerated for younger age groups. Yeah, certainly, absolutely, that's correct. Now, the past three years, speaking of reports, we're <coughs> report heavy today. We've got no special guests today either. No we're, special guests, just me know. talking about reports. Yeah, reports, but they're <laughs> exciting reports all the same. <laughs> they are good, I've, I've read they're, them. They're, uh, we've had, we were, we'll have a special guest again soon. That's good feedback from people on our special guests with the wonders of modern technology on the phone. Oh, yeah. yeah so we'll keep hunting some down. Now, we come to – I'm going to read the name of this because it's quite the uh, it's a name. The Department of Infrastructure, Transport, Regional Development, Communications and the Arts <laughs> has commissioned the Social Research Centre to conduct the Media Content Consumption Survey, the MCCS, if you want to get that for an acronym, to Goodness. look at – how Australians like to watch things, TV shows, movies, etc., and on what devices. So, Jordan, <coughs> after that mouthful of a report name. This is made up, doesn't it? <laughs> they're not even related in some ways. No, it's, it's, they're just all put together. God. What does the MCCS, because I know we all know what that stands for, <laughs> what does the MCCS tell us about how Australians like to watch things? Look, the biggest trend this report's documented is the decline in broadcast television use. Up until 2020, broadcast was the top choice among Australians, but this report shows it's now the third choice for viewers. Okay. And the, th the survey, it asks over 5,000 Australians, so the data is relatively yeah, decent. it's getting good. Um, so let's look at the most important findings. Online subscription services remain the leading type of platform for screen content in Australia in 2022 there. So that's Netflix, your Disney Plus, your Amazons. Yep. Uh, the most common platforms used to watch screen content were the online free subscription services that made up 66%, which is, you know, the, the same about the Netflix or Disney. Yep. You got the free video streaming services that made up 58%. Okay, so multiple answers here you can have, obviously. Yeah, yeah, seven plus nine now. Then commercial free to air TV, excluding on-demand TV, which was 53%. Um, the other, the, sorry, the use of other websites or apps, which could be Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, to watch screen content has increased significantly okay. with pay-per-view declining significantly yep. in line with that. So over time, I think we've conditioned, we've been conditioned by networks that we can sort of get the highlights True. on a social for moments that yeah. moments just after they happen. So, you know, why pay the 50 bucks and you can get the, the small yep. bit you want for free? Um, mobile phones or smartphones were used more often. Uh, sorry, were used more often than five times a day by 22% of the respondents to watch screen content. Uh, it's becoming increasingly more important for the networks to consider. Uh, pay TV and commercial free TV, which is excluding excluding on demand, 
these platforms had the highest average weekly viewing time, which really surprised me, 9.51 and 9.08 hours yeah. respectively, which indicates that traditional TV viewing still plays an, an enormous role yep. uh, in the mix there of media consumption. Um, I would have honestly thought that the streaming would have claimed a, a higher viewing spot versus TV, but it only yeah. averages about 8.16 hours. Um, so, yeah, that's, uh, that's the main findings. Well, yeah, that's always interesting to look at that, and especially that role that where broadcast TV sits with all these new technologies coming. The smartphone watching I found very interesting. So, look, like, getting close to a quarter of those people surveyed yep. saying they're watching, you know, five times plus a day on their smartphones, which... We asked Deb Riley about this when we had Deb on the Source podcast, oh, I don't know, like two years ago maybe? Oh, yeah, probably about that, yeah. Because Deb um, was production designer on Game of Thrones, uh, won four Emmy Awards for her unbelievable work and talking to Deb about her designing worlds for Game of Thrones, like the how do you design a world and they look as grand as, as they do. And you can really tell Deb's mark on the series when she takes over in season four. But she's designing worlds for people to watch on big screens at home. Yeah. And on... And the little screen. The little screen. People sitting on the train or the bus going to the mm. office or whatever and they're watching the same sort of screen. So I've always found that really interesting, those viewing habits, um, but the convenience is there and people will watch and... They will watch on those screens. I think especially a lot of younger Australians. Yeah, certainly. They're happy just to watch them. Now, one thing we were watching a lot last weekend was the first round of the NRL. So it kicked off uh, a week ago yesterday. Fox Sports was very quick out of the blocks. Fox Sports uh, with uh, show every game of the season with the exception of the grand final, which is on delay. But uh, Fox reported that Foxtel recorded its highest ever TV ratings for an NRL round. Um, Fox Sports audiences were up 17% on Jeez. compared to round one last season. And the Dolphins' win over the Roosters drew over 567,000 viewers. Mm -hmm. um, just knocking off the Broncos' game of 552,000 when the Broncos beat Penrith on Friday that night. That was a great game, that one. Interesting one was that the Sharks and Rabbits game produced the most viewers in Fox Sports history for a single regular season NRL game, more than 630,000. So you add that in with the free-to-air TV, so the NRL, they're given credit for helping nine to win the week on free-to-air TV ahead of seven. On the top ten Friday night shows of a week ago, the Broncos-Penrith game coming in eighth at 389,000. Interestingly, Jordan, it got nailed by Gardening Australia, which came in seventh. <laughs> So there's still right. some merit in some of those shows. And, of course, the top uh, five shows of the night on free-to-air TV were the news, Seven News, Nine, different parts of the, the bulletins and ABC News. So, again, there is still value for TV in news because it, they can do it cheaply compared to doing drama oh, a lot more cheaply than they can do that. So that's still there. So interesting numbers. I'm sure that... Uh, the NRL will be really happy with those numbers. Yeah, and it all gets serious next week when the AFL starts its season. It will be very interesting to compare the audience numbers between the NRL and the AFL. The cricket in India too is also doing pretty healthy numbers this week, but that yep. finishes in the next few days. So sort of setting the scene for the NRL and the AFL to battle it out from Thursday night onwards. 
Just a reminder, isn't it? We say those three things of TV, news, sport, reality TV. That's it. And they keep <sighs> ticking the over. Three. They're the reliable ones for them in any of this. And I guess those numbers show. I'm really interested to see. I think the AFL season starts Thursday night. Yep. And they ha- I still don't understand how there's Thursday night games for a few weeks and then there's none. I don't really no, understand that I'm scheduling. not across that. I don't need to get but across that. It's on, it's on. So, yeah, be interested next week <coughs> to see what happens there. Jordan, some developments in the US with the... TikTok White House legislation. You're like the political reporter this week. Yeah, a bit more political than I'm used to. You did the uh, big government department report and you're going to tell us about what's happening with uh, TikTok because this is quite interesting and it's uh, worth bringing up. Yeah, it's just a short one, but it's worth keeping an eye on. The White House has endorsed new legislation to provide additional powers to the administration to ban the Chinese-owned app TikTok and any other foreign-based technologies if they pose some national security risks. So the bipartisan bill would allow the Commerce Department to impose restrictions up to and including banning TikTok and other technologies that pose national security risks and applies to foreign technologies from China, Russia, North Korea, Iran, Venezuela and Cuba. Um, This move comes as TikTok is under increasing pressure over fears that user data could end up in the hands of the Chinese government, uh, thereby undermining the Western security's interests. Um, The bill, backed by now a dozen senators, is expected to go through Congress for approval. So what do we make of this? Because we see lots of these stories. We're often seeing, you know, security concerns around... Uh, TikTok and then mixed in with, you know, these political um, concerns. So what do we make of this one? I'm almost certain TikTok would not be facing the same scrutiny if the China and the US relationship was friendlier. The The added hostility is not working in favour of TikTok, TikTok at all. The Chinese company stands to threaten that the US technolo- technological superiority in the realm of the internet but the US would never actually admit that. So instead they're choosing to point at the potential national security risk, which, I mean, is also valid. Um, but it doesn't really help that ByteDance, the TikTok parent company, uh, it was revealed some of its employees are tracking some of the US journalists online. They were responsible for leaking some inside information. That was in December right. last year. Yep. Yep. So it's not helping them at all. Um, if the legislation were to pass... It would forbid the China-based company uh, ByteDance from doing any business here in the United States. In the United States, sorry, uh, it would block uh, Apple and Google from hosting TikTok, the app, in their app stores. But it wouldn't make it illegal for you as the user to use it. It would just make it more difficult to use. Yes, that's worth keeping an eye on. And now we were going to go through the celebrity mag covers, but I haven't organised that. But we'll close on a sombre note. Which is a bit sombre because Australian Community Media or ACM has announced that locally the Redland City Bulletin and the Jim Boomba Times will close from April 3. So only a few weeks left for those news outlets. Now ACM has more than 140 titles across the country. It's got the Canberra Times, the Newcastle Herald and others. So it's a significant player in media, particularly print media. But ACM says increased newsprint costs and a shift in advertiser spending, that's its words, were the reasons behind the decision to close the Redland City Bulletin and the Jabooba Times. That They have websites and they also publish weekly print editions. So right. mm-hmm. they say the decision wasn't made lightly. These uh, communities have been served by these outlets for decades 
but uh, things are changing and they're looking to work with staff about what happens with redeployment and job losses. Look, I'm always sad to see papers close because you know they're never going to come back. Once these nah. papers close, they're pretty much cooked. Um, and, you know, we always want the people who work in those roles to be able to find new work because what happens when you this happens, you do lose a level of scrutiny and we're seeing now, you know, fewer journalists around the place in certain areas and we're seeing less scrutiny on parts that used to be pulled over by journalists and that's not a good thing because we know that good journalists have uncovered a lot of stuff over the years that has helped us have a better uh, society when that's done the right way. But to be honest, I'm actually surprised that papers have lasted this long because uh, they must have been running, you know, on uh, the smell of an oily rag for a long time. So, uh, yes, as sorry as I am to see them go, I'm surprised that these ones have lasted this long. Yeah, and the sad part is that they probably won't be the last of the print titles to close in Queensland or beyond. We could be reaching a pretty slippery slope in the coming years. And we've only just had another significant price rise, for, price rise too for the, the major daily papers around the country. Um, you know, this is never a good business model to increase your price, price so while your product shrinks in size. That just never works well in the, in the consumer space. No, and that, that's a good point because, you know, the, I can't think of another product that increases its size. You think of a chocolate bar. If a chocolate bar increases its price, it doesn't shrink its size. We either have in the, that space, the chocolate bar either has a price rise and no change to the product mm. or the price stays the same and like, you know, it decreases in size, which is yeah. sort of the sneaky uh, change there. Newspapers, because they have had this situation for a long time now, the papers are getting smaller because there are fewer journalists. Newsprint's really expensive, so they've had to put their prices up while mm. their product gets smaller, and that is a suicidal business model. But what do you do? And, you know, I'm not, you know, being a former newspaper editor, I'm not having a crack at those papers because it is what it is. It's 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 the realities of the uh, the economics of business. So, yeah, I'm sorry that the Redland City Bulletin and Jim Boomba Times will go. Sorry that their communities will miss that. However, you know, other things bob up. And like we say, um, I'm sure the Facebook pages of Redland uh, City Bulletin area and Jim Boomba have community groups on those Facebook pages that are quite strong. Yeah. They're just some of those community groups. I'm not saying these ones in particular, but gee, some of those community groups are loose in what gets published. Oh, I'll bet. <laughs> very, very loose. I'll bet. But that's the changing environment. Uh, how's the weekend look for you? Uh, down the Gold Coast tomorrow. Got to do some work down there. It sends at a, at a 50th. And I think we're going to try and link up at some point later on in the day. But um, You're taking an umbrella down there? I'll be on a boat for a, boat? a period. Um, in, a main, in a main street, maybe. Yeah, look, I hope it's I hope it's not too feral. I'm hoping it's all right. <laughs> yeah, what do you got? they got Devils round Devils, one. Devils, yes. Uh, big day tomorrow. Um, we'll be watching rugby league and potentially swimming around if there's 70 millimetres hit. Mm. So Mighty Devils and uh, Devils women's team, the first women's team the Devils have had in a statewide competition. So oh, that's good. Exciting. Busy day. So uh, it'll be a... Busy weekend, and I always uh, feel sorry for Ainsley at this time because it's uh, there's footy commitments and um, mm. there's 
boys uh, in our house going to football everywhere. Yep. Broncos tonight, Broncos-Cowboys, looking forward to that. So it should be a good weekend. Yep, enjoy. Enjoy.